Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, down here in D.C., we're separate locations once again, but, uh, you know, it's uh, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I'm up in uh, Delaware again at my parents' house, you know, just uh, eating out of mom's fridge and uh, <laughs> trying trying to get through the week. Uh, looking forward to Thanksgiving, though, in a couple of days. We had uh, kind of a a stressful day on Saturday down at the game. We we sat together in Lane, and as everyone who is listening to this podcast probably knows, the Hokies lost in overtime to UNC, and it was it ended up being a hell of a game. That's for sure. Right. And uh, I want to talk about that. Pretty soon here, we're gonna to get to some news and notes, but let's do let's do a cheers before we get started. All right, I think the cheers this week uh, will be to. Um, I was thinking about it. I think we should give a little cheers to our fan base. We're starting to get a couple uh, chirps here and there from some people that like listening to the show. Uh, we've always said this. We like doing it. Actually, we love doing it. And it's even better when some other people actually like listening to us uh, instead of us just rambling on in separate locations, uh, Pete, for for hours on end uh, without anybody on the other side. So uh, two in particular, um, a guy, uh, Brendan Horgan, who was just tweeting out earlier today that he was he was hoping it would be a few days later so that he could be listening to it. But uh, hopefully we can get this recorded and get it up. Um, and another guy, interestingly, uh, uh, Dan, uh, he's called Dank, I believe, is his nickname from all of his friends. This was like – he's an Iowa fan, actually, which he probably loved the polls just coming out. But uh, he said he liked the show. So shout-out to a couple of our fans as well as everybody that listens in every week. I, we appreciate it a lot. So how about a cheers to them? Yeah, man. Cheers to cheers to anyone that's putting up with us every week and listening in. Cheers. <laughs> All right, so I want to I want to jump right into this because we got a lot of UNC stuff I want to go over, and then we obviously are in the midst of hate week for UVA, so we want to make sure we have enough time to go over our UVA stuff. The news and notes this week, I, I want to talk about the game and just how the Virginia Tech administration set it all up. There was a lot of great pregame stuff with Senior Day and a bunch of videos. I mean, what did you think of those videos, Robbie? I, I, I thought they were great. I mean, I particularly love the one with all the pro professional Hokies uh, playing in the NFL that took time to record videos for Frank. I thought that was really sweet. I thought all the the videos were cool, but I agree. I think some of the pros coming back. Um, and I meant to ask you this because we talked about beforehand. I, I loved all the videos, but you and I talked before the game because we were there. Uh, Corey Moore was there. Uh, did he? I don't think he was on any of the videos, but he he showed up to the game and he's come in kind of absent since uh, you know the national title game uh, that he played in uh, alongside Vic, and he showed up to the game after what now it's been almost fifteen years, something like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, 15, 16 years, 1999 season. Uh, yeah, I have never seen Corey Moore in like a picture with anyone since he graduated. So it was definitely cool to see him yep. take some pictures with Frank and some other alumni. There was a lot of alumni down there. They were all over uh, Main Street uh, the night before the game and after. It was great to have so many old Hokies back in town. That was It, it was a testament to how much everyone loves Frank. And then after the game... Uh, 
Frank did kind of an end game speech to the crowd, which some of us saw and some of us didn't. <laughs> but wait, I, I wait, did what? hear it. <laughs> I did hear it as I was storming out of the stadium. Um, what did you think of the the after the post game with Frank talking to the fans and uh, being carried out? I thought it. I thought it was cool. Um, it. Uh, you know, I I won't say I got too emotional. I got a little emotional. It, it was just nice. Frank's always a interesting guy, right? He's he's a man of very few words. He's not the most eloquent man in the entire world. You know what I mean? But oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, his points are, but his points are very meaningful, and um, and they are they come from the heart, which I always enjoy. So it's like you know, he's not a poet, but I think he's somebody that really um, believes everything that he says. So when he talks about you know thinking that where he has the greatest fan base in the world uh, that's supporting him. I think he really believes that kind of stuff. So I think it's meaningful at the end of the day. I thought it was pretty cool. They carried him out. Evidently, they weren't. I thought they had just kind of, obviously, if they they won, he was going to get carried out. I don't know if they were planning for what they were going to do in a loss. I still thought it was deserved, and I thought it was a great ending to the game. Yeah, and after many years of hearing Oh, Metallica's coming, Metallica's coming, this and that. Metallica actually did record a video. They did. Uh, you know, to say thanks to Frank and all he's done and using their song to be a part of Hokey Nation all these years. They, you know, sent a thank you video, which I don't know who got that done, but kudos to whatever uh, person in the administration that got that taken care of because that was pretty cool. Yep. So as for the other news stuff, came down today that uh daddy nicholas is going to be suspended for the first half against uva for hitting ron cherry's arm as he was mad about a call and we all saw that me and robbie saw it during the game and we're we're mad because we we felt it was inadvertent that he had hit the ref's arm because you know who would hit the ref that that's just you don't normally see that um and then when he saw the vine or the replay today uh, it looked bad. It, it looked as if he did clearly see his arm and just decided to go ahead and hit it and then act like it was inadvertent. Yeah, because I said I said to you, I didn't think that was I didn't think it was intentional. We were on the wrong sideline, right, to have a good view yeah. with that. Um, but I didn't I didn't think it was intentional. And then I watched the replay today, and I was like, ah, man, shit, that was like really really bad. I mean, if any I other know. team then, did that, I would be pissed. Exactly, and it seemed, and then he's. Daddy is still maintaining to Frank that it was unintentional. And so Frank believes him, and he's, but he suspended him for a half anyway. But if you believed him, why would you suspend him? Whatever. Daddy suspended for the first half against UVA. Uh, also, Brandon Faison may not play with a hip. He had to leave the game, and Terrell Edmonds ended up coming in and, and playing a lot and actually played okay at times. Uh, but Faison might not play either, which could be a problem. But other than that, there's no real news other than just um, coaching rumors, which we've all seen a ton of. And I don't really want to do the coaching rumor mill. Uh, Pat Forty put out a piece today that he thinks it's going to be Fuente and it's probably going to be done early next week. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Robbie. I nope. mean, we, we talked about Fuente. I, you know, we can discuss the merits of him. If it actually happens, because I've heard about six other people that are done deals to tech. So, 
I don't have any interest in talking about it. I, I, I don't mean that as a slight to anybody that I, I don't think people would want us to sit here and talk about it. If you want to read about it or anything, go to the message boards. It was him today. It was somebody different the day before and somebody different the day before that. I think at this point, I believe that we're about a week out from getting an announcement. So let's just wait a week and let's just concentrate on UVA and that's it. I think that's a good idea. And next Tuesday, hopefully when we record, uh, we'll have all the facts. We'll know who the coach is, and we can, you know, review UVA and review the hire and see, you know, give give our thoughts on it. For now, let's get into UNC, and this was a thirty to twenty four overtime loss. It ended up being pretty brutal, uh, even though it looked like they were kind of going to walk away with it in the middle of the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, luck started coming by the Hokies' way, and we ended up tying it up. Uh, this game was kind of interesting because we really stifled their offense. We flustered them. And I, we, through three quarters, we'd only given up 193 yards. And they they were kind of – they only had 10 points. And they hadn't been held to 10 points um, but for a half once all season. So, And we held them to that over three quarters. I mean, Bud had a really good game plan – after that first drive where they got that quick seven points, we really held them really well. I couldn't agree more. We kept, remember we were in the stands kind of going nuts over so much in that game. And then we kept having to kind of check ourselves and be like, well, this is, you know, a seven point game. You know, (laughs) things are not as doom and gloom, at least on the scoreboard as they were or seemed or felt on the field. And, at the end of the day, you know, we found ourselves down 14 with, uh, you know, four and a half minutes left to play. Little momentum from what I felt. And somehow, you know, from a high level, we made it a game, which was pretty incredible. I know. And we're, you're right. We were both sitting there like, God, this is so frustrating. We're frustrated because the offense couldn't do jack. But then, you, like you said, you look up and you're like, wait, we're right in this thing. And we tied it up. It was 10 to 10. Sam Rogers fumbled at the end of the third, I believe. And then as the fourth quarter started, so did the UNC offense. And they got back-to-back touchdowns from Elijah Hood, who ended up with 115 yards. And UNC actually ended up running for 240 yards. And that's kind of crazy considering we had held them so well before that. They ended up like going for like nearly 450 in the game. But a lot of that came in the fourth quarter. I had a couple of thoughts just at a high level for, and then we can jump into like, you know, kind of positives sure. and negatives more specifically from the game. Um, we said that I think, I think we were during the podcast last week that we said we needed to score 30 or more. Interestingly enough, we needed to score probably somewhere around 27 to 30 to win this in, in, you know, regular regulation. So I think we we're kind of spot on there uh, against uh, UNC. I'm not going to get all up in arms about the bobbled catch at the end. There's no way the refs are going to overturn that unless it is egregiously called bad. So I don't even want to go into that. And I just, you know, when we went into overtime, I just didn't feel that good about it because, quite frankly, Marquise Williams and Elijah Hood were finding ways to gash us for kind of easy touchdowns. And, I, you know, we don't we do not do well in, in overtime. So, um Overall, I, I I enjoyed the game. I didn't think that we deserved to win. I didn't think we were necessarily going to win, but I thought it was a, a fun game. And at this point, 
I mean, we're not, I want to make a bowl game, but I, I was less emotional on my side a little bit about this than maybe some of the others. I was more concerned with Frank. Well, it's interesting to say the thing about going into overtime because, of course, we came back in that fourth quarter. We scored the back-to-back touchdowns. But UNC, the only reason we scored those touchdowns because UNC was stopping itself. They fumbled on back-to-back possessions after we scored. And me and you couldn't even believe that we had the ball with a chance to tie the game when we're, nope. when we're sitting in the stands. And, and we did. And when we tied it, I think I said to you, I was like, you got to kick the extra point. And then like a day later, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but against that offense, when they've been basically like they wore out our defense and once the fourth quarter rolled around, they were pretty much doing whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. We needed to go for two. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, and I've had the benefit of hindsight, but we were not winning that game in overtime. Our track record in overtime isn't good. We've lost our last four games. And or now we've lost that we had lost the last three overtime games. And I know, you know, every game is different, but like that offense with what they were doing and how our offense had sputtered most of the game, you want to go to overtime with that team. I think it kind of, I would have been able to make my peace better with the loss if we had gone for two and just didn't get it. Yeah. And I, I know that was your, that was your, your thought. I guess I probably would have as well, only because, I just don't trust this team in overtime. The fact is, is that sometimes we settle for for field goals. And Elijah Hood was had no on his two touchdowns, and maybe we can get into some of the more specifics on his two touchdowns. I don't think he was touched, right? And he wasn't on the like two yard line. I think he was on like the ten yarder, like the eight yard line for both of his touchdowns. And he went untouched up the middle. I think on at least one that I recall, maybe on both of them. So I just. I didn't think if you're putting if you're putting that dynamic of an offense and that powerful of an offense on the 25, I think they're going to get the touchdown almost every time, and they did. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It was like in that fourth quarter, the only thing that stopped UNC was them. It was you know we mm-hmm. I, we might have did we cause one of those fumbles or were they both just like mess ups on UNC's part? I'm trying to remember. Either way, they were they they messed up. You know, like it was, it was an un, mostly unforced errors and they were just going to drive right down the field and score more points if they didn't fumble those footballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we did tie it up to the credit of the offense. You know, they only can seem to get going when the pressure is super on, which is very annoying, Yep. but they got going and they tied it up. And I have to say, I was, I would obviously been easier to stomach just the 24 to 10 loss rather than coming back and then losing in overtime. But at, at least the team showed fight, I guess. I was just so mad because it, it felt like when we did tie it up, like things were meant to be, even yeah. though I don't even believe in that crap. Like I just felt like we're going to do it for Frank. Like this is a this is like a storybook ending for him. We're going to come back in overtime and win. Yeah. And that's not what happened. So what do you think? Do you want to run through? I have, I have some other kind of, yeah, more specific yeah, go, go thoughts. For, you have some like just general notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll hit some uh, negatives. Right, so uh, Marquise Williams is averaging about I think 236 yards passing per game. If you take out Delaware, where he like barely played, and we held him to like 205. It, I I feel like that's kind of just par for the course. I think our defense played great, but um, and I don't think that. 
Um, none of any of their individual wide receivers really got to us, but they got they had success in spreading the ball around. And I think we remember that from the game where we kept being like, why is that guy wide open sitting there, you know, on a 15 yard pass? It kept happening. And that was a little bit frustrating. Elijah hood. He's a monster. That's why we were trying to recruit him. He's, he's a really good running back. He had 115 yards. Um, He had two TDs. I thought those were at least one was a walk-in from, I think the eight yard line. So, he kind of had his way. He was averaging almost seven yards a carry, which is a lot against, you know, what's supposed to be, supposed to be a pretty good run defense that we have. And uh, yeah, at least against running backs. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like and we talked about this against game that their offensive line was kind of like having their way with our defensive front a little bit. And I, I, I mean, that that shouldn't be happening. You know, we should be able to get some. We had some pressure, and there was some at times, and but it it wasn't a whole lot that I that I saw. And I mean, maybe their offensive line's that good, but I don't I don't really know how how good they are, right? Um, and that was that was it. I think their defense forced what five sacks on us. That's not yep. that's not great for a high powered. Uh, you Not know. great, but I will say four of them did come in the first half. So in the second half, we only gave up one sack, right? Or, That's right. So, one. Um, they got better, I guess. They started, you know, pre- and maybe Brewer was having a hard time getting rid of the football. Like he was just kept holding on to it for so long, trying to wait for someone to get open. He played and very that, played very scared. We You kept mentioning yeah. that during the game, that he looked like just very tentative, I thought. He didn't seem like he was in a rhythm. He 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 just couldn't get in a rhythm, and until until that fourth quarter when he threw for uh, 133 yards in one quarter in yeah. that 14-point comeback, and two fourth-down touchdowns, I might add, which just add to the added to the drama as we're watching the end of that game. Like it took him to fourth down to get it in both times. Uh, just an example of how you know tough it can be to move the ball in our offense, but. Uh, I wanted to point out that Ford went for a career high, 155 yards, and uh, had that one of those big TDs and tied the record for the most touchdowns in a season by a wide receiver for Tech with nine, tying uh, Antonio Freeman and Andre Davis. And in this game, uh, we finally saw our boy Trayvon kind of kind of have an off game. He kind of got a little bottled up. Now he was he was also banged up. Uh, he went out like with the wind knocked out of him early in the game, and then. I'm not sure what the issue was later, but he missed most of the fourth quarter, and that's why Sam was running the ball so much. But Trayvon only had one 10-yard run. That was his longest run and averaged 3.8 yards a carry, which for him is you know pretty subpar. But he had 80 yards still and is up to 880 on the season and will get a shot at 1,000, whether it comes against UVA or in a 13th game uh, being a bowl game. So we'll see. But yeah, Tra- Trayvon for the first time did seem to be a little bottled up. I yeah, I I agree. Um, and then he came out. Sam Rogers Rogers took over uh, a little bit of his workload, and he, that's why he ended up with twelve carries. But uh, you know, he he only actually had two yards for a loss. Which, if you're keeping that down, that's the same amount that uh, Hood had as well. If you're keeping that down and you're not getting negative yards, then you know. That we talked about this during the game. He seems to always be able to at least get back to the line of scrimmage and fall forward for maybe a yard or two, which is 
you know, positive. If you can keep those really damaging yards, you know, getting caught in the backfield out, that's that's nice. I thought that the stat line of this game was incredible. The same number of first downs both teams had, I think it was 21 or 22. You know, we went four for four in the red zone with one field goal. They went five for five in the red zone with one field goal. Um, we control, well, we didn't control time of possession because they just got off the field a lot faster than we did. But outside of that, we had 403 yards, which you and I couldn't believe. We looked up there and we were like, wait, how did we get to 400 yards? UNC had 445. Um, it felt like an uglier game from Virginia Tech's side then it ended up being on the stat line, which I think is one of the things that I'll take away because Brewer, I think he went 20 for, what, 35? And, in fact, Marquise Williams went 13 for 26. Is, is that right? That I, I I'm, pretty sure that's, I'm pretty sure that's right, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, we had, Brewer actually had a better completion percentage than Marquise Williams. Granted, he also had you know the two interceptions, but, you know, he, can't, he, he had two... Uh, passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, and that rushing touchdown, he clawed his way to make that, you know, yeah, make that happen. Yeah, he barely he barely got in, but he got in. You did say the thing about the um, being in the red zone and going. What do you say? We went three for three in the red zone. Yeah, we went um, four for four, one with a field goal. I think is what it ended yeah. up being. Well, there were also two times in the first half when we were inside the thirty. Yep, and came away with nothing. Yep, so. You know, I, I said in this game, you know, we can't leave points on the board. And, hey, if you're 4-4 four four in the red zone, it's hard to complain. But that missed field goal, um, that was a surprise. I didn't, you know, now Joey's missed field goals in back-to-back games. Yep. Makeable field goals, I might add. And, um, you know, there was another time where we came away with nothing. How about the fact that, in fact, the <laughs> – they had six. UNC had six fumbles. They recovered three of them, but they had six fumbles in total. And the our team, Corey Marshall, Mahoda, and Luther Maddie all had the actual force fumbles. Granted, they are going to give it to somebody. Like to your point, was, was that their mistake or our mistake? You know, they're going to credit it to whoever's kind of nearby. I thought that was um, interesting. And I think the final point for me in this takeaway, what I is. You know, it sucks, and I want your thoughts, but I just like that Isaiah Fords could be back on track for 1,000 yards because right now he could be tracking to 980 if we make a bowl game. So I'm just going to leave on my high note and something that he now he has nine TDs, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said he's tied with uh, Davis and Freeman for the record. So it's, yeah, it's it's cool. Like, I mean, but that's, this is, I'm just going to make a point on the offense and I tweeted this out earlier, but you've got this stud at wideout who could be potentially the best wide receiver we've ever had in terms of stats and just in terms of route running and hands and the whole package. Like Ford is putting up numbers, and he could finish Tech with every single record there is. Uh, we've got Trayvon, who we all admit is a stud. Our offensive line has been surprisingly healthy the entire season, and we've got these two tight ends who both excel – in different areas of their game and are both well, well above average of all the tight ends across the, across the country in Bucky and Malik. And yet we still are 89th in total offense. We can't do barely anything for three quarters of this game against not a very good defense. And we're 102nd in yards per play. And I know Brewer's not like 
the greatest quarterback in the world, and it all comes from the quarterback a lot of these times. But Brewers, he's a solid player, and he might have been being a little tentative, but gosh, just so much of this comes back to the offensive coaching. And if we could have just gotten a few more good uh, play-calling drives, just like complete drives or anything to get this offense going, like we should have had this game. I mean, you you need two fumbles in the fourth quarter to get to 24 points on this defense. Like that that's, you know, that's not the way it should be. 10 points through 3 quarters like yeah, UNC should be mad. They only had 10 points through 3 quarters too, but you know, the Virginia Tech defense Bud has found a way to to at times stifle that UNC attack. This offense with these players should be scoring more on a defense like UNC's. It it's very frustrating and this game, you know, it was it wasn't there for the taking because because we gave up those those points early in the fourth quarter, but it was a winnable game. It really, really was. And I can't help but think like the offensive inefficiency and just going three and out again and again. It's I am so tired of this, man. I really am. <laughs> I I love it, but no, I'm being facetious. The I couldn't agree with you more, P. It, it's it's tough to understand. I don't know why it's happening, but at this point, it's it's done. We need to turn it on it's for done. one more yeah. game. You know, that's yeah. that's that's what I sat there. You know, it, and I think you came to that resolution today earlier when you you know you were chatting. It's like, you know, you're pissed about it. It makes it makes all of us mad. But right now, I'm just kind of excited to head into. UVA, and we need that win no matter what, and we're about to talk about it here, and I'm ready to put the past in the past, and I, I kind of was as soon as that game ended. I, normally, I would be throwing bricks through you know glass, glass windows after that ending. I'm a little bit more calm than I would normally be just because of you know kind of the state that we're in right now. You're right. You know, we, we have one game left. Our asses are on the line, and... <laughs> It doesn't matter how ugly it is, how efficient the offense is, or how, you know, the linebacker, you know, we have to win. So, you know, whatever you got, you can do in this game to get a win is what we need. And before we jump into UVA, why don't you tell me what you're drinking? I'm kicking this off tonight. All right, let's do it. So, uh, you may have had some beers from a little place called Dogfish Head. It's oh, a yeah. it's a delicious beer that uh of course you you know well out of Delaware. And uh we haven't done on here, which I was surprised about because it's a tremendous tremendous beer that I enjoy very much, is the ninety minute Imperial IPA. It's one of their classics. The sixty minute, obviously you you know, I go to corporate functions stuff all the time and they have it there. But the ninety minute it doesn't get a lot of play, except if you go to like one of the Dogfish Head restaurants and things like that. I love it. It's uh, not as hoppy. It's actually a little bit more of a uh, kind of malty uh, base to it, which usually turns uh, me off of it. But those types of beers. But I I love the ninety minutes. One of my favorites and. Uh, we haven't had it on the show yet, which I was surprised about. So I was rushing to get home so we could start the podcast uh, uh, on time. And I stopped through the store, and they had the 90 minutes. So I decided to make it represent. No, I like that because you're right. It, it's uh, it's not terribly common uh, everywhere, but we all kind of know it. 
And yeah, that's a good choice. I like that beer a lot. I'm drinking the Pocahoptis from Center of the Universe Brewing Company. I it's, It says Ashland VA on the can, but this is outside of Richmond, I believe. I was passing through on my way down to Tech to, to see a buddy, and he recommended Center of the Universe Brewing Company. So I got a couple different ones of their beers, and this Pocahoptis is great. It's like this pretty cool can, obviously. You know, being Thanksgiving, Pocahontas, you know, let's I like it. let's go for it. It's got a picture of of her on the can. It's six point eight percent alcohol, and this is a really good IPA. Like it's you're I'll bring a couple back for you, Rob. You you'll really enjoy this one. It's it's great. I'm pissed that you kept up with the themes and here I am slacking just going with like uh you know, not a very exciting. Honestly, beer. man, it was dumb luck. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of it till I was just saying what the name of the beer was. But just you know, dumb luck's a good good uh, transition because we're about to talk about Mike London, and somehow time a cop guy who's <laughs> yeah time cop a guy who's gone twenty seven and forty five in six ACC seasons with UVA still has a job. Now that is some luck. I have no idea how he's kept his job this long, but I will be forever grateful to the athletic department at UVA for keeping him employed because. UVA manages to win national titles and have top 25 teams in every sport but football. And I will take a win over UVA against this crappy coach as long as I can get it. And this might be the last year for Mike London, but we shall see. This season, UVA is 4-7 and seven overall and 3-4 and four in the ACC, which is actually the same record as Virginia Tech, which, you know, really is a shame that makes me feel really bad about us, but they have uh, wins over William and Mary, Georgia tech, Syracuse, and most recently Duke. And we're going to talk about their offense first, but Robbie, why don't you uh, kind of tell us what your thoughts are on the matchup first. Uh, it's an interesting matchup. You have a UVA team. I think we all recall that loss against Notre Dame that they you know, were, I mean, they were basically all, what, tied up, and they won it right at the end. It was way too close for, you know, what is a decent Notre Dame team. Then this past, you know, game, the maybe the win over Duke, 42-34, um, I guess they, they kind of dominated that game, which, you know, I'm not going to give them too many props because it's UVA, obviously, but... That, I, I don't think that was really a question mark for them. The, their stat line, everything, I guess, it was like a 96% win expectancy if you go to, like, football study hall or any of those. So they kind of dominated that game. So I think this team is one, as we always say, we got to take serious and go in and, and really kind of, you know, punch hard and, and block well and hope that we, uh, we kind of win it. I think it's going to be a cool game because – Obviously, in addition to being Beamer's last, we're doing the retro uniforms from 1987, which was the first game that Frank Beamer coached. I think that'll be a really cool sight to see. Also, you know, this game is very, very important. Uh, This is to make it 12 straight over UVA, a record that we want to keep going. It's Guaranteed access to a bowl game, I think, which is also very important. Um, 
That that said, I want everybody to know, and this is for more educational purposes than it is for what we want to happen. You know, there's a chance that there are going to be teams that are at five and seven going into the bowl game this year. At present, I think there's 71 bowl eligible teams with 40 bowls. You actually need 80 teams uh, at six and six for them all to get in. So there's nine more teams that would have to win this weekend to get in. Hopefully, we are one of those teams, so we don't have to worry about it. That said, there are 14 teams that need to get one more win to get to 6-6. Six and six. So we want to be one of the nine of the 14 teams still hoping to get in. And I think that's uh, our objective for this Saturday in addition to kicking ass against UVA. Yeah, and UVA's you – you just talked about that Duke game and how they, um, they kind of dominated that game. And – they scored. They jumped on them really early, and this UVA offense has actually been a lot better lately than how it started. Uh, their last four games, they're averaging 418 yards, which I found hard to believe. They're on the season, they're 85th in total offense with only 378. But like I said, they're well over 400 their last four games, and they've just been playing better all around. Their last two games, uh, their quarterback Matt Johns has passed for 600 yards and six touchdowns with only one interception. So they've they've definitely been playing better offensively. Is there anyone that that strikes you that you think we might really need to keep our eyes on this weekend? Yeah, I think there are. I think you hit the key points. You know, Matt Jones is a little bit more dangerous than maybe we would all hope that he would be. But getting into the actual uh, playmakers – um, and I had to look this up twice. I, I don't follow UVA. I follow the ACC, you know, pretty closely, but I don't watch every single game. And um, you know, I think you and I were talking about about this guy, Taquan uh, Mazel. I think it is. Um, he's a tailback for UVA. I hadn't heard him before. He's five. He's listed as five ten, one hundred ninety five pounds. Um, and here's his stats. He's got six hundred and thirty eight yards on one hundred or on. Sorry, I think it's fifty. 53 rushes. I have my stat off there. It's like 4.2 per carry. That said, he has four rushing touchdowns, but three fumbles lost. That's only half the story because he's also had 68 receptions for another 669 yards. He's the only the fifth Cavalier, UVA Cavalier, to reach 1,000 yards rushing and um, receiving in their career. The third fastest to reach a hundred receptions in their career. This guy is, I, I don't know what they actually have him playing given his passing and receiving or his running, rushing and receiving stats are almost equal, but that's only with a little bit of padding because he put up 123 receiving against William and Mary, but you know, in that same respect, he put up a hundred against UCLA, which UCLA is a pretty good team. I think this kid's kind of, he's a stud. Oh, Mizzle is, uh, he's real good. And I'm not sure if it's Mizzle or Mizzle, but I remember when uh, Kendall was announcing where he was going to go. It was at this like seven on seven tournament or something. And, it, and Kendall was announcing at halftime. And uh, Taekwon Mizzle was playing in the game and he was torching everyone. Like he was so good. And he was a real high recruit. I'm not sure if he was a five star, but he was definitely a high four. Mm-hmm. And UVA ended up with him. And this was when UVA was still pulling in a lot of high-level talent for those few years, and they might have got Blanding the same year. Yep. But he Mizzle consistently goes over 100 yards from scrimmage 
in every game this year. I'm, I'm, there might be one or two he hasn't gotten 100 yards from scrimmage. So he's consistent, and you're right. He catches just as well as he runs. Um, a lot of them are shorter passes, uh, but he's, I mean, he is dangerous with the football in his hands. He had three TDs against Duke, two rushing and one receiving. He's, he's a player, and he's not their whole offense, but he is probably about like 66% of it. He is really good, and he's over 1,300 yards from scrimmage on the season, which should tell you all you need to know through 11 games. I mean, he, he's a player. They have some other running backs that, that should be mentioned because the last few games, they've been spreading it around a little bit, and, and they'll use these guys um, to receive as well. It, this, it's a big part of their offense, and I'm not sure if it's because they don't have a lot of great playmaking wide receivers, but they use uh, Reed and Ham are two other running backs, and these all these running backs are 5'10 or smaller. You mentioned how uh, Mizzle's size, but Reed is the biggest at 210, and he's only 5'9". And then uh, they have one more guy, Olamid Zacharias, uh, Zacharias. I'm I'm probably messing up his name, but whatever. He's a freshman from Philly. He's 5'8", 190, and he's averaging 9.2 yards per carry. Although he's only getting three to four carries a game and some catches, uh, he makes the most of them. This guy, this guy can definitely play as well. Uh, as for their wide receivers, there's, there's I guess two, but only one I think really worth mentioning. I'm, he's a stud, and I'll butcher another name. I'm fine with it. It's UVA. What do I care about it? Uh, <laughs> Cannon, I guess. Cannon, whatever. I think it's Cannon. Cannon? Yeah. I think it's probably Cannon, but uh, Severin. He's got seven TD catches, 51 receptions uh, for hundred or 715 yards. He... He's been play, He's a stud, and he's been very vocal about how much he wants to win this game against Virginia Tech. And uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of the news I've been reading on uh, the UVA sports site about, um, you know, the upcoming game, also what happened against Duke. You know, he's kind of been looking forward. Uh, interestingly, he went uh, had 11 catches for 153 yards against Notre Dame. That's no joke. I mean, that's that's talent right there. Had another eight catches for 116 yards against Louisville. And that pass defense is pretty decent. You know, it's not world beating, but Louisville has a decent pass defense. And they're not nearly as bad as we thought that they they were going to be this year um, after they had took a couple of tough losses. He had, he had a sh- shoulder injury, I think, against Duke. But I think he confirmed that he's good for this game. Um, and he's actually going to be playing. So... That's one guy that I would I would watch out for. Um, anybody else on your radar? I have two more names, and um, TJ Thorpe is another wide receiver, and he's got 20 catches for almost 300 yards this year. Only one touchdown. It was a long one, but he definitely contributes. And then I have to mention their tight end because his name is Evan Butts, and I'm a child, so... Evan Butts is is a freshman. He's on my from, list uh, too. Don't worry, yeah, it's from, not childish. <laughs> from Newtown Square, PA, he's six four, two forty, big boy, and uh, he's got three touchdowns this year and one hundred and fifty yards receiving. So he's another person to watch, I suppose, in the red zone. And uh, I guess lastly, their O line. I, I said they protect the quarterback well. Uh, they don't run block particularly well, but they are decent in pass protection. So I, I don't really have anything else on this offense. I guess, no. you know, Matt Johns, like, you know, he's probably. He's I'll not, he's not a, bad. I got to be I'll honest. Say he's, 
Yeah, I was going to compare him to Brewer and just say like, he's obviously bigger than Brewer. He's 6'5", 210. But in terms of numbers and just quality of quarterback, uh, Brewer's probably a little better. But it's reminiscent it, of last year because pretty close. he has 19 TDs and, what, 15 interceptions, which is last year Brewer kind of had a decent completion. You know, not as – I don't think he had yeah. 63%, but he kind of – I think what, it was like 58 or something, yeah. Exactly, and I think it's very similar. It is similar, and I th- did Matt Johns end up coming in the game at the end last year? Because we knocked out uh, number 11 who ended up going to Georgia. I can't recall his name at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think Matt Johns came in and just looked awful last year. But this is his first year starting, and it is reminiscent of Brewer's numbers last year. That's actually a pretty good comparison in that respect. But let's move on to their defense and then give our kind of our thoughts on the keys to the game. Uh, The UVA defense is, uh, again, kind of a below-average defense. Unit they the offense is below average, but like I said, they've been playing better. The defense hasn't been. It's a they're eighty ninth. <laughs> they've been they're eighty ninth in total defense, and they're a hundred and eighth in yards per play, uh, which is it makes me happy because I would like our offense to get on track in this game. And if you're if you're giving up six point three yards per play, that's a good way for us to get going. Uh, they're sixty first against the rush and a hundred first against the pass. So. They they are bad against the pass. They have only had three interceptions all season. Only three all season. I'm not saying that we have a ton, but we have more, we have eight and they have three. So you know they do not have a ton of playmakers on this defense. But I've got three written down, Robbie, and I'm curious if they're the same as yours. Who do you have? My first is Quinn Blanding, which. I hate talking about him because we wanted him so badly to get him at Virginia Tech. That's probably my number one number. Well, we're going to go back. We're not just jumping. I just said my number one, number two is uh, Mika Kaiser. And my number three, I think I was kind of going back and forth, but um, Mike Moore, one of their defensive ends, and uh, Darius Lattimore, one of their cornerbacks. Those were my three that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I had um I obviously had Blanding. He's a beast. So I yeah, I I basically they have a good playmaker at each level of their defense. It's that the drop off to the next guy at each level is pretty large. So yeah, they've Blanding at DB. He's he's their uh free safety, I believe. 105 tackles, 64 solo tackles. That's a lot of tackles. Uh Mika Kaiser, he's a beast at linebacker. 61 solo tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, and six and a half sacks. He'll definitely get after the quarterback. And Mike Moore, that was my third as well. 45 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, and six sacks. Uh, I think that's this. Right. That's the that's the story of their defense. And, and you know, there, there are some other contributing guys. And if you had to pick a unit on the team that you thought was best, which one would it be? Uh, I think it's their backfield. So I, the, you know, with uh, Darius Lattimore at their cornerback spot, he's got two interceptions. I think he's pretty good. You have Quinn, obviously. I think their strong safety or yeah, is pretty good. And so I would pick probably their backfield. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, um, and you had all of that right. Mike Moore had also three force fumbles, and um, and then uh, Mika Kaiser had two force fumbles. But also their linebacker, uh, Zach Bradshaw, who's been a starter for all of these games, is out. 
Um, it looks like is he, he really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he was on crutches. I caught it through like a side article going through the Cavalier website that he was on crutches, and I think he's going to be out. He's their fourth leading tackler. Um, that's not that's not a hundred percent. They haven't they didn't release an injury report gotcha. or anything along okay. those lines. But it was looking like the way he was dinged up that he was going to be out. But I think you got it right. But my opinion, I guess, would be that they're. Um, with Quinn Blanding at free safety, I think their strong safety, who I don't have in front of me, is pretty good. And now you got yeah, Darius. Uh, Rainey. Yep. So that's probably their strongest position for that I would – at least that, that's my guess. See, I uh, I, I kind of thought they they all have pluses and minuses, these three – their three sections of their defense. Like I kind of thought it was the line, even though just because of the way they're defending the rush and – They've got a bunch of guys across that line with with decent um, uh, tackle for loss numbers, but you could. De- I mean, you're right. Kelvin Rainey's pretty good at the other at the strong safety position. Tim Harris, the cornerback, has six pass breakups. The other side of Lattimore. So you're right. The the DBs are good, but you know, hundred and first against the pass, and you know, three interceptions the whole season. Like, how good can they be? You know. So yeah, I. I I'm not sure what, you know, what the strongest point of this defense is. I think they got a decent line and they obviously have Mika Kaiser and Bradshaw being out would be huge, honestly. Uh we're but, also we're also kind of splitting hairs because quite frankly, they're miserable against the pass, they're miserable against the rush, and they're not good as an overall defense. Like <laughs> I'll I'll give them props. It's UVA. I'll give them props on the offensive side of the ball. Their stats suck. They're ninety third in the S and P overall on defense, ninety eight in points per game. Uh, and I'm not even gonna go their run defense is like eighty one in the S and P and seventy five it's just in the, in the past defense. So we're kind of splitting hairs in some Yeah, it's like some I, ways. we're, you know, what's the tallest midget in this defense <laughs> is what we're trying to figure out. But anyway, <laughs> they really have three good players on this defense and potentially two great players in Blanding and Kaiser. And uh, Kaiser actually had 17 tackles against Duke. Two tackles for loss in a sack. 17 tackles, 10 solo tackles in one game. Kaiser is a beast. and He's a monster. It's going to be tough sledding against him, uh, especially with the way Trayvon looked last game. I know he ran for almost four yards of carry, even in a game where we felt like he was bottled up. And I think that he will have a bounce back game, but I don't really know a specific area to attack. And I guess we should just go into our into how we think we're going to play this game. You've got to get McMillan going. I'm not sure if it should be more inside or more outside or a little bit of both, but you've got to run away from Kaiser. I mean, you've got to be able to get uh, offensive linemen to the second level and g- get him out of the play or use misdirection to keep him out of the play because, you know, he'll he'll stop this run game even if their line and their defensive tackles aren't that great. Agreed. But do you want to finish that off? Because my keys of the game are less specific sure, yeah, and go, more just probably minor kind of minor kind of funny. So if you have specific ones, because I came away with it's something that you said earlier. So uh, if you want me to r- rip through it, I will. But if you have more specific stuff, I would get to that first before you. My get to last mine. thing, yeah, my last thing on the offensive side was I, I would expect Isaiah Ford to have a big game. Uh, he had a obviously went for a career high last game. Brewer and him seem to be that rapport they talked about over the summer seems to be really in full effect right now. 
Brewers should throw for 250 plus in this game. I I really, unless we're just running all over them and we don't need to, I, which I don't think is going to happen. I would expect Brewer to go to 250 plus and for Ford to maybe go over 100. Um, and that's a favorable matchup for us. Although they have decent corners, I think Ford is much better than these corners. Uh, UNC actually has very good corners, and look what Ford did to them. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, if you have anything you want to say about our offense against their defense, go for it. Yeah. I don't care how you do it on the ground, through the air, stop the run, stop the pass, stop anything, run anything. Just find something that's working, stick with it, at the times that it's working and get the hell out of Charlottesville with a win. That's how I'm thinking about things. Be careful with emotion because we saw what happened to daddy. And, you know, that's there's a difference between playing for your coach and emotion that can't be controlled. And that's really it. I, it can burn you if you're if you're not level headed. That the fact is that the team came back because they wanted to win that game. It was not necessarily that they won to win for Frank. And I sometimes if you put too much pressure on yourself to try to win for something specific, it can backfire on you. So just go out there and get pissed off that you just want to beat the hell out of UVA because it's been working for us the last eleven seasons, right? Agreed. And you're absolutely right when it comes to the offense because I was looking at it. I'm looking at the stats. I can't figure out, you know, I'm reading about the team, which way we should go with our, like, what should we attack specifically? Usually I, it's pretty clear from just looking at the stuff, what we should, I don't know what we should do. Like you said, do it. If something's working, do it and do more of it. If you're throwing, if you're running, whatever. Um, and defensively, you got to stifle Mizzle, and if you can do that, you know, we should be okay. You got to put some pressure on Johns. I'm not sure he's had a lot of pressure these last few games, and that's why he's been successful. So they, with their lack of elite playmakers, uh, they really have two guys. It's Mizzle and, and Severin. And if you can lock down those two, I, I have no problem saying we'll win this game because they are dangerous. So if Chuck Clark and Moto and Dion Clark can just watch the middle of that field with Mizzle working, I actually think we'll be fine. The face-on thing worries me a little bit if he's out, but Edmonds has played well and he's played a lot and Mook has played a decent amount and we have, you know, pretty good safety play back there as well. So just pressure the quarterback and you know prevent their playmakers from scoring. That's, you know, that's as simple as I can make it. Yep. So Pete, what are, what are you getting after up there? And, uh, what are you drinking? Is it good? Yeah, I'm having the secret spot winter ale. It's one of my first winter ales I've had this year. And it's a evolution, uh, brewing company, which we've had their lot three on the show, I believe. And I really love their lot three IPA, but this winter ale is hoppier. It's 6.3% alcohol, and it, and it drinks like an IPA, but it definitely kind of has that winter uh, vibe to it. I like it a lot. Yeah, Secret Spot Winter Ale by uh, Evolution. What are you having? I'm on the Great Lakes Brewing Company's uh, Commodore Perry IPA, which uh, I'm sure all of the people from Ohio that are still listening to this, I think it's probably one person or two people since the Ohio State uh, game are still listening. 
uh, are loving because it's from Cleveland, Ohio. This was actually uh, a beer I already knew about and I like a lot because um, my uh, my sister's uh, family bought me like a you know, like a pony keg of this uh, for my kegerator back in the day, and it was it was delicious, and I like it a lot. It's uh, it's kind of just your kind of straight the run of the mill IPA, just hoppy enough to make me happy, and doesn't have a lot going on there, but just enough not to piss me off. So it's actually kind of nice. Nice. I uh, I love the Great Lakes beers. They make really good beers. We have to make this pick, and like we talked about last week with how we feel about when we make our picks, if we're doing it because what's happening in the game or just because we're trying to uh, not jinx the team, I feel that way more so with this pick than I've felt in a while. Uh, VT is the favorite. There are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and it's obviously in Charlottesville. I'm going to pick UVA against the spread. I'm taking Virginia Tech to win, but I think this is going to be a very close game. Three, two, one point, whatever it may be, I think UVA is going to cover that three and a half point spread. So, honestly, man, if you're going to fear a loss to UVA in any season, we have as much reason to fear it this year as we ever have. They are an above it. No, I'm not above average. They're an adequate offensive team, and we are a better football team, but not a lot better, and we make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And on the road, even though Scott sometimes can feel like a home game for us, I, uh, I'm i nervous. I'm nervous, but I'm still going to take us to win, but UVA to cover that three and a half. What do you got? Well, I had... I don't know what I have anymore because I always choose this one on the fly because obviously I know a good amount of both both teams going into the pick. I'm going to go three and a half. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech to cover by five points. That's uh, what I'm going with. So I think we can pull this one off. I think not so much the emotion about this game, but – Time Cop will do something wrong, and I think we'll pull it out from there. Okay, so let's pick some of these other ACC games. And we're not going to do all of them, but because uh, I mean, I don't feel like picking BC Syracuse. I don't know about you, but no. The first game is Miami <laughs> at Pitt, and Pitt is six point favorites. So, what do you think? Do you want me to pick? Um, I'm going to go Pitt. Um, they kept up with a solid Notre Dame team. They beat Louisville, who's not as bad as we thought. And I think they're kind of on the up and up. And even though they're not going to make the championship because UNC locked it up against us, I think that they are a good team and um, they'll keep with it. I'm going to take Pitt as well. I like Pitt and Miami is kind of a mess, so I'm going to go with Pitt. UGA at GT. This is kind of an interesting game. Two teams that GT massively underachieved and Georgia might not have Mark Richt in a week. Uh, it's kind of hard to say. So UGA has five-point favorites, and they have struggled recently. Not that GT hasn't, but I'm taking Georgia Tech in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, forgive me for that. 
I'm picking them as well. They've got to bounce back here at some point. They've actually taken – I mean, if you look at the string of losses, it's been incredible. Georgia's in trouble. They almost lost to Mizzou nine, in a 9-6 game. That's not a good sign for, you know, a, a uh, SEC kind of powerhouse. Uh, haven't beat anyone, really, if you look at their schedule. And now they have a coaching – they have coaching rumors to boot. That's not a good sign for, for Georgia. Next game is UNC at NC State, and this should be a fun one. UNC is five-and-a-half-point favorites. It's in Raleigh, and NC State has kind of had their number uh, over the last handful of seasons. Um, but I like UNC in this game. I mean, they're 10-1. and one. Their offense is dynamic. NC State is definitely leans towards the more mediocre side of the ACC. So I'm going to take UNC. What do you think? UNC as well. I feel like five and a half is thin on that line for for UNC to to cover. They're they should win by more than that. I mean, that's just crazy talk. That's triangulating between we didn't beat UNC by a lot and we almost beat UNC. So you that doesn't make any sense. So no, I think that yes, uh, NC State will play them tough. But I don't think people appreciate what it took from Bud Foster to keep that game that close against UNC. Next game is Louisville at Kentucky. Uh, Louisville is four-point favorites over Kentucky, even though they are on the road. And I'm going to take Kentucky in this game. And it's not like they started out well and they've been struggling since, but Louisville's defense started off well and now they've been struggling four points in a rivalry game I'll take I'll take the points I'm taking Kentucky uh, I'll just take I'll take Louisville and not get into it Kentucky okay. kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of suck they both kind of suck <laughs> that's, um, that's true Florida State at Florida and this should be good I, I I'm looking forward to, to catching some of this game it's in Gainesville, and Florida State is actually two-point favorites. And I'm going to take the Seminoles. Florida, didn't they go to overtime with the FCS team last week or something? I mean, they've they've definitely kind of fallen off recently. Uh, they are 10-1, and one, but they and headed to the SEC title game, I might add. But they have been struggling. And that SEC East, you want to make fun of the Coastal. That SEC East is kind of a joke. Uh, yeah, I agree, but I'm I'm still going to go with Florida here. Now we can actually mix it up and make it exciting for people to listen. Um, they they need this game to go to eleven and one. This is the second big matchup they've had since losing their quarterback uh, in the loss to uh, LSU um, when he got tested positive for. I don't know, horse tranquilizers or whatever the hell he had. Um, but they lost that game against LSU after he was gone. I think they've had a little bit more time to regroup. You're right. They did lose against an abysmal – or just pull out a win against an abysmal team. I think, But maybe they've had um, some time for their quarterback to develop. And I think Vernon Hardgraves is a stud. And that guy, if he's playing well in the backfield, he can do a lot for your team. Yeah, it was Florida Atlantic, so it wasn't an FCS team. But Florida went to overtime with Florida Atlantic and ended up winning. Last game is Clemson at South Carolina. 
And Clemson is 16.5-point favorites, almost 17 points in South Carolina. I'm going to take Clemson because South Carolina lost to the Citadel last week. And, yes, it's a rivalry game, but Clemson is really, really good, and South Carolina is really bad. I had Clemson, semi-colon, they lost to Citadel, so the exact same thought process. And then I had a comma... SC is a dumpster fire. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you on that one. And I can't believe my last point was going to be I can't believe Wake is off because those are my most winning picks all this year. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's Duke at Wake Forest. Duke is four-point favorites. I, You know, I feel kind of bad I left it off. I, just, I, I was going through and looking for the good games. How could I leave Wake off? Of course it's a good game. <laughs> Duke is four-point favorites at Wake, and come on. I'm taking Wake, and I know you are too. <laughs> I will take Wake every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You cannot not take Wake against this Duke team that just lost to UVA, got blown out by uh, UNC like 66 to God knows what. I mean, I, I don't, how Duke is favored is, is kind of shocking. Obviously, it's Wake Forest, but they're in Winston-Salem. And you don't just go into Winston-Salem and walk away with a five-point victory. No, it's like the Carrier (laughs) Dome. It's just like the Carrier Dome. LSU does not walk into the Carrier Dome and just demolish, and neither did Clemson either. Exactly, exactly. So we're both taking Wake on that last pick. Bonus Wake Forest pick. That's going to wrap it up. I don't think we have any stories, and we've kind of run kind of long anyway. Yeah. It is hate week, so... If you've got any hate in your heart, use it all towards UVA this week. We need a win desperately to go to a bowl, and I do not want to see Frank go out with the bowl streak ending. That would just not be cool at all. Let's hopefully we can get this win. You and I will be recapping it, like I said, next Tuesday or Wednesday, and we could very likely have a new coach by then. That's right. So and make I sure think- you – I think there's one Go more ahead. one more point is we're we're heading into off season right now. So Pete, we're going to come back during that that next week, and we'll probably have some uh, resolute thoughts on what we're going to be doing during the off seat. We are not shutting things down for the off season. Uh, Pete and I had already talked about that. So in case you're wondering and you are listening in and you like it, um, it would not be as on a regular of a basis, but uh, during. What should be one of our kind of our last episodes? We'll we'll give you guys some clarity on what we're going to be doing for the off season as we uh, we get ready for next year, etc. Well said. So until next week when we're recapping this UVA win and a uh, and a new coach, go Hokies. <laughs>